You're listening to sermon audio from River City Church in Fargo, North Dakota. River City Church exists to make disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus through the gospel of Jesus. You can find out more about River City by visiting our website at www.rivercityfargo.org. Join with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, you're a good God. Lord, I pray that you would uh, speak to us this morning. Lord, I pray that you would open the truth of your word to us, that we might know it and understand it and love it. God, I pray that you would be with myself. I pray you'd help me to uh, speak well. Speak your words and speak truth. Please keep me from error this morning. May your Holy Spirit move through this place. We ask these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Oh, good. Looks like we figured it out. Uh, For those who don't know me, my name is Marty, and I'm the director of care and community here at River City Church. And you may remember that about a month ago was the last time I preached here. And for that sermon, I was assigned to preach from one verse, Isaiah 9.3. Well, it seems that Pastor Jake wanted to make up for that because this morning he has assigned me to preach from Psalm 119. And for those who are not familiar with Psalm 119, it is the longest chapter in the Bible. It has 176 verses. To put that into perspective... The entire book of Ephesians has 155 verses. So to say the least, I have my work cut out for me. Now, if I were to read that entire chapter for you this morning, it would take about 17 minutes. Now, that really would not be the worst way for us to spend our time this morning, but it is also something that you can do at home. So we are not going to be doing it here. But I encourage you to read the entire thing allowed at home. Um, Another thing that actually makes my job a little bit easier is that despite its incredible length, Psalm 119 has actually a pretty narrow focus. See, whereas if I was preaching from the book of Ephesians, there would be multiple things that I could preach about, and it would be hard to know what to touch on. But through the entire 176 verses of Psalm 119, There's quite a narrow focus, and the theme of the chapter is the Word of God. In other words, the longest chapter in the Bible is about the Bible. It is a prayer to God in which the psalmist declares all of his thoughts and feelings about Scripture, and it is full of some really incredible statements about the Word of God. So this morning, we'll be looking at verses from all over the psalm, but the section I've chose for us to read together is entitled Beth, and you'll find that from verses 9 through 16 in your Bibles. If you need need a Bible, um, the strike team, hopefully, there they are, should be coming forward. Uh, For this message, it would be good for you to have a Bible, so if you need one, raise your hand and they can get it for you. So starting in verse 9, Beth, how can a young man keep his way pure? 
by guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. The question that I want us to bring to the text today is, what should our relationship be with the Bible? And to help us get our minds engaged with that question a little bit deeper, I want us to take a moment for you to ask yourself the following questions. What do I think about the Bible? How do I feel about the Bible? And what do I do with the Bible? As we look at this psalm today, I want you to keep your answers to these questions in your mind and consider how they compare with what we see from the scriptures. However, before we jump into things too much, we have some introduction for the passage. First of all, the author of this psalm is unknown. Some people speculate that it was David, but there's really no certainty to that. Secondly, Psalm 119 is an acrostic poem, and it is made up of 22 sections. There's one section for each letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Each section has eight verses in it, and each of those verses will start with the same letter. So if you look in your Bibles, you probably see that the first section, verses 1 through 8, are titled Aleph. This is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and each verse in this section starts with the letter Aleph. The second section is Beth, and each verse in that section starts with the letter Beth and so on throughout the rest of the chapter. Now, there are other acrostic psalms and poems in the Bible, such as Psalm 25 and Psalm 34. Although, in our English versions, we don't see this pattern because, obviously, it's in English and not in Hebrew. What makes this psalm so long is that, unlike the other psalms that are acrostics, there are eight verses for every letter instead of just one making this psalm eight times longer than Psalm 25 or 34. All right, the third point of introduction. Although this psalm is all about the Bible, it never uses the word Bible or Scripture once. Instead, there are eight different words which the author uses to talk about the Bible, and they should be up on the screen. Now, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, so I'm not going to try to pronounce all the Hebrew words for you, but I will go through the English versions. The eight words talking about the Bible are law, word, testimonies, rules, or this word is also translated as judgments, commandments, statutes, precepts, and also another Hebrew word which can also be translated to word. And as you can see, 
Each of these words is used between 19 and 25 times in the text for a total of 178 mentions of the Bible. This means that these eight words and their various forms are used more than once per verse. So you can see what I mean when I say that this psalm has a very obvious central theme. Now, none of these words for scripture are completely synonymous. They don't all directly mean Bible in the literal sense. Instead, they each highlight a different aspect of scripture, but they're all referring to the same object, which is scripture. All right, introduction over. I want to start our dive into Psalm 119 by simply noticing a very subtle detail that is incredibly easy to miss, but I do believe it is really the foundation for which everything else in this psalm is built. So if you have your Bibles open, I want you for just a moment to scan over the psalm and make note of the eight words which I just talked about which refer to the scripture, and they should be back on the screen. Law, look for commandments, testimonies, word, and so on. It shouldn't be too difficult to find them because they're in almost every single verse. Do you notice anything that all of these words have in common? In the 178 uses of these words in the psalm, almost every one of them is preceded by the same word, your. Your law, your statutes, your word. And who is this your referring to? Well, the answer is pretty obvious. It's referring to God. The psalm is saying that it is God's word, God's statutes, God's testimonies, and God's precepts. This is a point I don't want us to overlook because the implications of this are enormous. What we have in our hands is the very revelation of the creator of the universe. We're not just talking about the law of Moses. We're not just talking about a testimony or a government's precepts or the word of any human being. We're talking about the word of God, the one who made the heavens and the earth, the one who sustains all things and knows its beginning from the end, the God who sovereignly directs all things to work out according to his great purposes. Now that fact alone makes the scriptures infinitely more valuable than anything that I have to say. That fact alone makes the scriptures more valuable than anything else that you will read more valuable than anything else that you will hear or watch anywhere. Now, in last week's message, Devin painted a picture of the incredible, transcendent, and imminent character of God for us. He showed us how absolutely awe-inspiring our God is. He gave us a picture of God's absolute holiness, power, and wonder Imagine for a moment the amazing wonder of our God. Now, with that image in our minds, what would it mean to have a message directly from him to us? 
That is what we have in the Bible. The scriptures are God's words to his people. It is the way that he has chosen to reveal himself most clearly. And because the Bible is God's word, we know that what it says is truly important and is true not just for this life, but it's true for all of eternity. If I were to read every single medical journal and textbook that there is, I would gain a lot of valuable information for my life. I know a lot more about health, how to take care of myself and others, but medical research knows nothing about life outside of this life. Science doesn't know anything about the eternal state of our souls. It doesn't know about the purpose of our lives. It isn't capable of defining what a good life is. If I were to read Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, or whatever other big thinker that you might resonate with, I would certainly learn a lot. But philosophers, they look at creation to try to understand creation. They're like characters in a book trying to understand why they were written. They're limited in their perspective. They are not all-knowing. They're not eternally existing. They are finite. But God is infinite. He is all-knowing. He's eternally existing. He's not a character in a story. He's the author of the story. He not only knows the purpose of life, he is the one who determined its purpose. God is truly the greatest entity in existence. If you really believe that, and I hope you really believe that, then God's word is the perfect guide for what it means to be human and for how to live in this life. That is why the Bible is not just an old book with some good stories and some good ideas. It's God's word, and let us treat it as such. This is the foundational premise for my other three points this morning. Number one, because the Bible is the word of God, we ought to love the Bible. Number two, because the Bible is the word of God, we should seek to know the Bible. And number three, because the Bible is the word of God, we ought to keep the Bible. Each of these points are applications of the reality that what we have in our hands, right here, is the word of God. So point number one, because the Bible is the word of God, we ought to love the word of God. Now right off the bat, I know that that sounds wrong. We're supposed to love God, not the Bible. And yes, I agree, that is true. We are supposed to love God and not the Bible. But the psalmist makes it very clear in Psalm 119 that he truly loves the scriptures. In the section of scripture that I read earlier, it says in verse 14, in the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. Now that is a big statement. As much as all riches. What do you think you would get more excited about? Winning a $100 million jackpot 
or following the Bible? According to this psalm, it's the Bible. And that's amazing. The word delight is used 10 times in this psalm talking about the scriptures. And 11 times the psalmist says that he loves the scriptures. Listen to some of these examples. Verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Verse 113. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. Verse 167. My soul keeps your testimonies. I love them exceedingly. I love them exceedingly. That is some big-time affection for the scriptures. Verse 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Verse 20, my soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. These are some incredible statements. This author really likes his Bible. But as we have already mentioned, If we truly believe that the Bible is the word of God, from God Almighty, his revelation to mankind, then we ought to love it. It makes sense to love it. Just like a woman may love the letters sent to her from her husband away at war, so also we love the Bible because of the one who wrote it. However, I don't want to overlook some of the other reasons we have to love the scriptures that are explicitly given in this psalm. I'm going to go through these fairly quick. So if you're a note taker, perhaps just take a picture of what's on the screen. Verse 9, the scriptures are able to keep a young man's way pure. Verse 11, the scriptures can keep us from sinning. Verse 93, they give us life. Verse 98, they make us wiser than our enemies. Verse 52, they are a comfort to us. Verse 130, they give understanding. And verse 160, they endure forever. And there are more than just these. God gave his revelation to help us, not to hinder us. 1 John 5.3 says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. God gave us the Bible as a blessing to us. Do you love it? Do you delight in the word of God? And would your actions and would your affections agree with that? I will be the first to admit That's not me every day. Sometimes it's very hard to open up the Bible. Sometimes my heart just isn't there. It doesn't care. And if you can relate to this sentiment, then consider praying these words from the psalm as well in verses 18 and 36. 18, open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of your law. And verse 36, Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Pray these things when you open your Bible. Memorize these verses 
and plead them to the Lord. Ask that he give you a heart to love his word, that you may delight in him. In addition to this, it is often the case that the more we study the Bible, the more we dig into it, the more we grow to love it. It's hard to love something that we don't know. And that leads to my second point for this morning. Because the Bible is God's word, we should seek to know God's word. This was certainly the attitude of the psalmist. Eleven times in this psalm, the author specifically asks the Lord to teach him God's word. Verse 12, Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. Verse 29, Put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. Verse 33, Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. He longs to know God's word. He prays that God would open his eyes to understand the word. And this is a good prayer, because even being God's perfect word, the Bible can be a tough book. It can be very difficult to understand sometimes. There are parts of scripture that have baffled scholars who spend their whole lives studying the scriptures. So we ask the Lord to teach us, not just to understand what the text means, but to absorb it and live it out. But along with our prayers, there are practical things that we can do ourselves to know the word. And I'm going to give you two of them this morning. The first meditate on the word. Verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. This psalm uses the verb meditate six times in reference to God's word. But first, what does that mean? What does it mean to meditate? Well, first, it is not referring to what is often associated with Hindu religious practices. Meditating here is not talking about emptying one's mind or chanting a mantra sitting cross-legged on a mountain. What this word meditate means is simply to think about what you are reading. Turn it over in your mind. Ask questions about it. Consider the meaning and the application. Meditating refers to a deeper dive into a text than just a surface-level reading. When we do this, it's amazing how much more we get out of our Bibles. We miss so much when we just let our eyes glaze over a text just to get the gist. We We find that what we read truly sticks and makes an impact in our lives when we meditate on it. Now, this is one reason why community groups are so important. It is an opportunity to go deeper into God's word, to think on it, ask questions of it, and to hear what other people have to say about a passage. Another strategy that I began over a year ago was writing down a summary of every chapter that I read in the Bible during my quiet time. 
And this has been a very rewarding process for me. And it's helped me stay very engaged in the text. Perhaps for you, it's not that. Perhaps using a pre-made Bible study works well for you. There are many awesome resources out there. And we'll try to link some in our weekly email this week. Find what works for you. Get into the word and meditate on it. There's perhaps nothing you can do which will more surely strengthen your walk with God. Now, the second thing that we can do in our effort to know the word of God is to memorize it. Look with me at the f- for a moment at the following verses. Verse 11, I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verse 16b, I will not forget your word. Actually, seven times in Psalm 119, the author says that he will not forget God's word. Verse 98, your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. Now, memorizing scripture is difficult, but it is incredibly fruitful. I want you to listen to this following quote from Pastor Chuck Swindoll. I know of no other single practice in the Christian life more rewarding, practically speaking, than memorizing scripture. No other single exercise pays greater spiritual dividends. Your prayer life will be strengthened. Your witnessing will be sharper and more effective. Your attitudes and outlook will begin to change. Your mind will become alert and observant. Your confidence and assurance will be enhanced. Your faith will be solidified. And I can say from personal experience how beneficial having Scripture memorized has been for me. It is one thing to remember that Jesus loves me, but it is another thing to be able to quote, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and gave his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Memorizing scripture gives assurance to us when we doubt truth, and it gives clarity to the scriptures. It can help us speak truth to others who are in need. A few years back now, I started memorizing the entire book of Ephesians. Now, I'm sad to report I did not finish. But even the sections that I did memorize were a great blessing to me. That experience helped me know the flow of the book so much better. And to this day, I can still find passages in Ephesians much more easily. I can think of a verse and be like, I think that's in Ephesians 1, and go find it pretty well. How much more beneficial could this have been to me if I had stuck with it and finished the entire book? Because we as a church believe so much in the benefit of memorizing Scripture, today we are unveiling a Bible memorization plan for the entire church for the year 2022. Last year, about this time, we challenged everyone in the church to read through the entire New Testament in 90 days. And when the summer came along, we changed our focus onto prayer. Now, we are challenging the church to memorize a large portion of Scripture over the next 12 months. The strike team 
that's going to be coming forward at this time. They're going to be passing out some papers. And on these, you'll see three different memorization schedules for the year. There's a beginner plan, there will be an intermediate plan, and finally, an advanced plan. We would love it if each of you, as part of your New Year's commitments, put one of these on your list of things to do. Now, when you look at them, at first, it may seem a little daunting, but when broken down into sizable pieces, it really shouldn't be that overwhelming for anyone, adults or children. Each of the plans begins the same. I'm hoping for everyone at River City to memorize the first 18 verses of John in the month of January. These were the 18 verses that Nathan read during our scripture reading time. This is less than one verse a day. And since it will be the first one that we're doing, we should still hopefully have plenty of room in our minds to fill it. After that, the beginner plan will spend the year memorizing Romans 8 and part of Ephesians 1. The intermediate plan will memorize the entire book of Philippians and the advanced plan will go through Ephesians. I encourage you, consider what plan you want to go through with with your community group. Perhaps this is something that you could all work on together for accountability. Then make a routine out of it. Set aside a certain part of your day which you will work on memorizing. Perhaps it will be the first 10 minutes of your day when you get out of bed. Or maybe it's over your lunch break. Find what works for you, but, but don't leave it to chance. I hope this excites you. I know I'm planning on doing the intermediate plan myself, and I'm really looking forward to having an entire book of Philippians in my mind. And I think it will be a big blessing to me. So, so far, we have seen that the Bible is the word of God. And because of this, it is worthy to be loved. It is worthy to be known. And now finally, my third point of application, the Bible is worthy to be kept. Look at verses 33 and 34. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Once again, keeping the word is a common theme of Psalm 119. It is mentioned 25 times in reference to the scriptures. But what does it mean to keep the scriptures? Well, first, and most obviously, it means to obey them, to live our lives according to what the Bible says. Listen to what James says in James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away at once, forgetting what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. 
What this is saying is that it's not enough just to read our Bibles. It's not enough even just to meditate on it or to memorize it. To keep the scriptures first means that we need to do what it says. God is not altogether that pleased with a bunch of people just sitting around reading a book if they ignore what that book is telling them to do. But sadly, this happens a lot. But now we must ask the question, if we are to keep the words of the Bible and be doers of it, what does the Bible tell us to do? What is it we are supposed to obey? Well, the Bible tells us many things. It is a big book. But thankfully, there is one verse that sums up the whole message of Scripture pretty well. 1 John 3.23 And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. John summarizes the Lord's entire command in two parts. We keep the scriptures by believing in Jesus and loving others. All of scripture is basically a reflection of these two commands. But then we can continue to ask questions, and we should. What does it mean to believe in Jesus? Who is Jesus? Why do we need to believe in Jesus? How do we love others? These are the right questions we need to be asking, and they will continue to bring on more questions. And this is why you need to know your Bible. We will continue to have questions, and we continue to look here for our answers. We need to know our Bibles. It is the Word of God. It reveals to us everything we need to know for life and godliness. It reveals to us what eternally matters. So, do you desire to know God? Do you desire to love him? Do you desire to obey him? If your answer is yes to these questions, then study the word of God. Study it to know him. Read his love letter to you. As it says in Psalm 119, verse 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Meditate on the word of God. Memorize it, love it, know it, and keep it. If this is the food we feed our souls with prayer and a longing to do the will of God, then I believe it will result in great fruit in your life. It will keep you from drifting into meaningless pursuits. It will guard you from being deceived. You will foster your spiritual maturity and growth. This is what we are made for, and these are the instructions. This is our owner's manual. So I hope that this year you will join me Join me in memorizing some of it. A year is a long time. I know that. Commit and don't give up. May it produce the fruit of righteousness in our lives, that we may know the word of God, to love God, 
and to love others to the glory of God and our good. Amen. Pray with me. Father, your word is good. Lord, we want to love your word, for it is from you. Lord, the creator of all the universe, you've revealed yourself in these pages. I pray that we would take that seriously, that we would look into them, that when the the words are difficult, that we would not give up or push it aside, but we would look even deeper to find the deeper truths of the Lord, that we would search it with others. Lord, that its words would be on our lips and in our minds and in our hearts, that we might not sin against you, that we might know you. Lord, please bless us in our endeavor. Lord, I pray that you would help us as we were to memorize your word. God, we need your Holy Spirit's help, and we praise you for giving it to us. In Jesus' name, amen.